No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where young Elihu accuses Job of irreverent and ignorant talk. He then defends God's righteousness. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 34 on Simply the Bible. Let's face it, some situations are difficult to judge. I believe that we are in such a situation right now with this coronavirus pandemic. There's so much divergence of opinion about how this should be handled. Who is right? Who is wrong? What should we do about it? The book of Job is all about people judging matters of which they have limited knowledge. Job's friends judged him as hiding his sin because he was suffering so much. Job judged God as not being fair because he didn't like how God was handling things. And young Elihu judged Job for what he said about God. How are we to judge all of this? And how are we to judge Elihu and his words? (laughs) Well, you be the judge. Elihu opened his speech and went on for two chapters. He paused to see if anyone would say anything, but no one did. Not Job's friends, not Job, not anyone. So Elihu continues. Now in his long speech, we wonder if his hearers were losing attention because Elihu repeatedly says, listen to me. We continue in chapter 34. Elihu further answered and said, Hear my words, you wise men. Give ear to me, you who have knowledge. For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. You know, the truth is we are to test words. Regarding words of prophecy, the Apostle Paul instructs us in 1 Thessalonians to test all things. That's necessary because there are many false prophets and false teachers, false doctrine out there. We need to be able to test all things with the Word of God, which is the standard God has given us for knowing truth. Now, Elihu made an appeal to his wise friends to reason together with him in order to discover justice. For Job has said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. Should I lie concerning my right? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. Elihu quotes Job as saying several things. First, I am righteous. Now, Job had said as much, expressing confidence in his vindication before God. God has taken away my justice. That is exactly what Job said in chapter 27. My wound is incurable. Now, there's no direct quote of Job saying that, but it was obvious from his arguments that he had no hope left in life. Elihu's main contention against Job is that he accuses God of injustice and that cannot be tolerated. What man is like Job, who drinks scorn like water, who goes in company with the workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men? 
Elihu accuses Job of gulping down scorn against God like a thirsty man would gulp down water. In accusing God of not being just, Job joins forces with wicked mockers. He sounds like a wicked man. This also reminds us of what the serpent said to Eve when he accused God of not being just or good because he wouldn't let Adam and Eve be like God and no good and evil. For he has said it profits a man nothing that he should delight in God. Actually, Job said he destroys the blameless and the wicked. But one could conclude that in Job's mind there was no benefit to being blameless. Sort of like what Asaph said in Psalm 73, I have cleansed my heart in vain. Elihu was angry because Job's talk against God was irreverent and his conclusions were false. Therefore, listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do wickedness and from the Almighty to commit iniquity, for he repays man according to his work and makes man to find a reward according to his way. Surely God will never do wickedly, nor will the Almighty pervert justice. So first, Elihu says that it is simply impossible for God to do wrong. He is just and holy. He will always act in righteousness. As the Apostle John would later say, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Can you imagine if we couldn't count on that fact? If we didn't know for sure if God was light, one day he's light, one day he's not? God will ultimately judge justly by giving to every person what he or she deserves. Now, what Elihu did not foresee was grace. He did not foresee the atonement of Jesus Christ, where we can receive the good we don't deserve because Christ has satisfied the justice of God on our behalf. At the cross of Jesus Christ, God's mercy and judgment meet. He judged sin so that he could then show us mercy. Verse 13, Who gave him charge over the earth? Or who appointed him over the whole world? If he should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. God is sovereign. No one gave him charge over the earth. He is the creator. And he holds the breath of every living creature. I think this is good for us to always remember. God gave us our breath and he can take it away. In a moment, he could gather it all to himself and every living thing would perish. This present pandemic has reminded us just how unexpected death can come and just how fragile life is. Now, God holds it all. If you have understanding, hear this. Listen to the sound of my words. Should one who hates justice govern, will you condemn him who is most just? Next, Elihu shows that it would be impossible for God to govern without justice. Imagine if God were capricious. What if one day God is simply in a bad mood? He decides to arbitrarily mess with the physical and spiritual laws by which he runs the universe. He just decides to wipe people out for no good reason. How could he govern? How could we count on anything? 
But God is more just than any human judge, governor, president, or king. Is it fitting to say to a king, you are worthless, and to nobles, you are wicked? Yet he is not partial to princes, nor does he regard the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. In a moment they die, in the middle of the night. The people are shaken and pass away. The mighty are taken away without a hand. So it would be improper for Job to say to a king, you are worthless, then how much more is it wrong for him to say that to God? And yet God shows no partiality. He's no respecter of persons, as we say. He doesn't regard the rich or the poor, the president or the pupil. He looks at us all equally. Each of us will die when God determines, for his eyes are on the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. God sees all of our steps. He's always with us. He even knows what we think. I know of no greater incentive to holy living than the consciousness of his presence. We are always dwelling in his presence and therefore no one ultimately gets by with anything for he need not further consider a man that he should go before God in judgment. He breaks in pieces mighty men without inquiry and sets others in their place. Now Job had been calling upon God to face him in court so that he could make his case and vindicate himself before God. But Elihu says, look, God does not need man's testimony about man. He already knows what is in a man. He knows what we have done, said, and think. He doesn't need a prosecuting attorney to lay out the case. He already knows it. And he will break in pieces the wicked on the day of judgment. Therefore, he knows their works. He overthrows them in the night and they are crushed. He strikes them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways so that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him. For he hears the cry of the afflicted. When he gives quietness, who then can make trouble? And when he hides his face, who then can see him? Whether it is against the nation or a man alone, that the hypocrite should not reign, lest the people be ensnared. So God had hidden his face from Job. He didn't respond to Job's queries. He was silent. And there was nothing Job could do about this. Just because God remains silent or doesn't show his face doesn't mean he is unjust. Just because he doesn't act how or when we think that he should doesn't make him unrighteous. When he delays, it doesn't mean that he isn't good. You see, the problem is his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we can't judge God. He's on a plane so far higher than us and knows so much more than we do, and is working all things according to his plans, of which we do not know what they are. Now, he will ultimately strike the wicked, rescue the poor, and remove the hypocrite. In these things, Elihu is absolutely right. For has anyone said to God, I have borne chastening, I will offend no more? Teach me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. 
Should he repay according to your terms, just because you disavow it? You must choose, and not I. Therefore, speak what you know. Has anyone said to God, is a reference here to Job himself. In other words, Elihu is saying, have you told God, Job, I accept your discipline? I will offend you no more. Show me what I don't see. If I've sinned against you, then I'll stop sinning. Have you said that, Job? Now, should he repay it according to your terms? In other words, is God obligated to do everything according to your terms as though you have God under contract? At this point, Elihu gives Job another opportunity to reply, but he doesn't say a word. That's quite different from how Job responded to his friends. It seems that he was always chomping at the bit to respond to them. It would seem that Elihu here was hitting the mark and Job knew it. Men of understanding say to me, wise men who listen to me, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without wisdom. Oh, that Job were tried to the utmost because his answers are like those of wicked men. For he adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. Job's lack of response seems to have fueled the flame of Elihu's fury. He just wants Job to acknowledge how he has been wrong in speaking against God. But Job is unwilling to do that yet. He will do it, however, when God confronts him with some of these same things, speaking about him with words without knowledge. And then Job will respond. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Elihu continues his monologue, accusing Job of claiming to be more righteous than God and choosing iniquity. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.